I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles now to Genesis 25, verses 29 through 34, as we continue in our new series, Destination Transformation, the story of Jacob and all that God does to transform Jacob's life and how God wants to transform our lives as well by his work in us. So this is going to be the story, meaning the actual account of what happened. I need for you to sit back and read with me that we have Bibles under the pews. If you want to reach under and, and take one of those and uh, turn to Genesis 25, 29. Then we're going to go to Genesis 27. These are two accounts that we'll put together. And so sit back for a moment and just focus in on this narrative. And what God has to say to us this morning. This is the very word of God. Genesis 25, 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau, his brother, came in from the field and was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. And so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And then from Genesis 27... Verse 1, the next narrative, the next story. When Isaac, Jacob and Esau's father, was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. And he said, Behold, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then... Take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat it, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah, Isaac's wife, was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau went out into the field to hunt for game, And bring it, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. He said, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two two good young goats so that I may prepare from them Delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you instead of Esau before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall shall seem to be mocking him, and he might bring a curse upon me. Instead of a blessing, his mother said to him, 
Let your curse then be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. And so he went and he took them and he brought them to his mother. And the mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, And the skins of young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And so he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done As you have told me, now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found this game so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near me that I may feel you, my son, to to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him, and he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy with the goatskins like his brother Esau's hands. And so he blessed him. He said, are you really my son, Esau? And he answered, I am. And he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. And so he brought it near to him and he ate and brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near to me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments And blessed him and said this, see the smell of my son is the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be anyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son game, son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, to him who are you? He answered, I am your son. I am your firstborn, Esau. And then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me that I ate all all of it before you came? And I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. 
As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me! Bless me, even me also, O my father! But Isaac said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? Which means deceiver. For he has cheated me two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And then he said, Have you not reserved any blessing for me, father? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made Jacob lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept bitterly. And Isaac his father answered and said to him, I will give you a blessing. Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob. Because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father and his impending death are approaching. And when they are finished, I will kill my brother Jacob. The word of God. What we see here. What we see here is the playing out of what God said would happen in the big picture while the twins, Rebecca's twins, Jacob and Esau, were still in the womb where God said, you know, I've chosen the younger one, not the older one, because the older one always usually was the one that got the birthright and the blessing, but I have chosen the younger one and the older shall serve the younger. Obviously a reversal, obviously a choice of a sovereign God because it's out of the normal order. God chose Jacob to be the next patriarch in the line of maintenance and growth of his covenant and in the line of the coming Messiah, not Esau. But it just doesn't really play out. How you might think if you'd never read this, this story, this narrative before. Today, we see up close a very broken and dysfunctional family. Old Testament families are so messed up. Cain and Abel. That didn't turn out great. You know, then we have Isaac and Ishmael. And their descendants are still fighting it out in the Middle East to this day. 
And now we have Jacob and Israel. The Old Testament is the inhabitation of dysfunctional families. And God's will, as dysfunctional as they are, is going to get done through them. Yes, even them. God's will is going to get done through them, and so often God's will is going to get done in spite of them. Just like us. Just like us and our families. May I ask you a question? I will not ask for a show of hands. Do you have a dysfunctional family? Let me answer the question for you. The answer is yes, you do. Are your family, a, is your family a group of sinners? Yes, they are. And so there are varying levels of dysfunction where sinners are thrown together for their whole life in relationships. We are more of a mess than we want people to know. And y'all, Lord, deliver us from always having to pretend that we have a perfect little family. Hi, I'm Joseph. And I came from a dysfunctional family and I lead one. We're sinners. Just like the families in the Old Testament. And so we're going to take a brief look at Isaac's family dynamics and make some application from this passage as we move to that table to eat with the Messiah who has come. Let's start with Esau. I know you feel sorry for Esau. Don't feel as sorry for Esau as you're feeling, okay? Esau's problem is that he could care less for anything than what he wants right now. That's Esau's problem. He is impetuous. He is ruled by his, quote, passion. He is ruled by his appetites. And Esau will make many decisions. You'll find out more of them later. Many decisions in the moment because the future is not anything he's thinking about and the fear of God is not anything he cares about. Just how he feels right now. That's not a good way to live. The text says that Esau loved the outdoors. He was what we call today a man's man. And one day when Esau came in, uh, he was famished from hunting. And Jacob had prepared some of his Esau's favorite red lentil stew and some bread. Give me that. Give me some of that stew. Give me your birthright and you can have the stew. What good is a birthright when you're starving to death? Give me that stew. Swear to me that you'll give me the birthright. I swear I'll give you the birthright. Here's the stew. The birthright was a big deal in those days. When you were the firstborn, normally, you got the birthright. You got double the inheritance of all the siblings. And there's kind of a mathematical formula in two passages in the Bible that show us how to to split that up. And really, the more siblings, the more the, the person with the birthright gets. Uh, this is a big deal. You not only got double the or more than the, of the inheritance, but you also were made the leader of the family and the spiritual leader 
of the family. And in the case of Jacob, the leader of his family and the, the patriarch of the covenant promise. This is a huge deal. Bottom line, Esau's appetite was greater than his desire to serve God or serve his family in that way. And God may have chosen from the womb, but I want you to know something about this sovereign God. He did not control Esau in the sense that Esau himself sold that birthright. Esau himself cared nothing for the fear of Jehovah God because of his appetites. Matthew Henry says, bad things happen when men's hearts follow after their eyes. His brother Jacob, we'll get to him, at least valued the birthright, was willing to take it on, and the leadership, he just got it the wrong way. Jim Boy says, better to have Jacob who values the birthright and wants to take responsibility than Esau who can't see past supper. The book of Hebrews calls Esau a profane man. Esau had no business becoming the spiritual leader of God's chosen people on earth. And it was not God's will for him to have that. Now, afterwards, Esau was grieved and at what he had done, but he had willingly given it away. And at the end of the day, this is what it says. I read it to you. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. And later, he's going to despise other things that are important to the Lord. Esau is a sad tale, a cautionary tale to us. That's Esau. Let's talk about Isaac. Isaac, who in his younger years was that quiet man of faith, you know, when his his wife for 20 years couldn't conceive, we find him a man of consistent prayer. We find him a man who who, um, just does not go and and have a child through the maidservant like Abraham did. He trusts God. We're like, man, Isaac is really something. Not so much in his older years. He is becoming a, just a sentimental person that follows where his heart, what is his heart is feeling. Rather than what God is saying. Isaac had a favorite child. And his name was Esau. And everybody knew it. Folks, that's not right. Parents, children who will be parents one day, and everybody in between. It is not right to play favorites in your family. It is not right for someone to, because of your actions and words, know they are less loved than their other siblings. We should love all our children in such a way that they all know that they are loved like the others. But Jacob flat out loved Esau more. And these are bad family dynamics. So now we come to the second story where Jacob steals the blessing from Esau. And here's the problem. A blessing, A, could be given to anybody. The blessing was not supposed to be unconnected from the birthright. You understand what I just said? The person that gets the birthright is supposed to get the blessing. 
And the blessing was the actual transfer of authority to that son to be the leader. And it is the, the going away of the father, so to speak, and the blessing and the launching forth with God's blessing and the father's blessing to be the leader. And, and that is a problem because Isaac was fully aware of what God said. The older will serve the younger. But Isaac loved Esau more, so it didn't matter what God said. Isaac was sentimental, and Isaac was old, and Isaac was dim in his eyes, and Isaac just decided that he felt sorry for Esau and wasn't going to give him a blessing, was about to give him the blessing that belonged to Jacob, where Jacob would end up with more of the inheritance and no authority. What Isaac was doing was in direct disobedience from the express Word of God. Now look, we, we need to obey the Word of God. We don't get this express Word of God like this. He knew it. And he's just a sentimental old man. He's just going to do what he wants. Kind of like his son. Just does what he wants. God's going to rule and overrule. In the case of Esau and Jacob. So let's talk about Rebekah. This doesn't get any happier, y'all. If Isaac is a sappy sentimentalist, as an old man that doesn't follow God's word and just kind of follows what his heart, his sweet little heart, then Rebecca is a conniving and coldly calculating person. Rebecca knows what she wants and Rebecca knows how to get it. And she has a favorite child. And his name is Jacob. And everybody knows it. Can you kind of feel that two against two in one tent ain't good? That's what's going on here. We got two against two. And we got conniving and and stealing. And we got disobeying God and, and putting forth people that have no business leading the family. And all this stuff that's going on. Rebecca hears Isaac telling Esau that he's going to give him the blessing. Just go out and get some stew, you know, take your bow and your arrow. You're a good hunter. Go go kill some game and, and make me some of that stew before I give you the blessing. He sounds like Esau, doesn't he? Want some of that stew. And she says to Jacob, here's what I heard your dad. We're not going to let this happen. You just listen to me. You just follow. You follow me to the letter. Capiche? You get it? Yes, ma'am. Actually, he doesn't say yes, ma'am. He says, this is dangerous. He says, what if I go in there? Esau is like the hairiest, wooliest person in the world. And I'm a smooth man. All he has to do is call me over and, and feel my, my arm. And he'll say, I know this isn't Esau. He may end up cursing me, mama. She said, don't you worry about the curse. I'm before God right now. I'll t- I'm taking that curse on me. Now you do as I say. You go get me two goats. You, you butcher those goats. You bring them back here and I'm going to make that stew and you're going to go in there and I'm going to put you with, with, with Esau's robe. 
And um, his dad is old and blind. We'll, we'll pass you off for Esau. That's Rebecca. Finally, we come to Jacob. Jacob is a smooth man. And uh, Esau is a hairy man. Esau loved the outdoors, you know, hunting, fishing, deer camp, sleeping under the stars. He's what we call a man's man. Jacob's what we call a mama's boy. He's cold and calculating just like his mama. I mean, they are two peas in a pod, Rebecca and Jacob. And he lives out his name, which is a heel catcher, deceiver, because when the two twins came out of Rebecca's womb, what happened was is Esau came out first and Jacob grabbed his heel as if he was trying to pull him back in to, to, to go out before him. And so the word, that's why it was called Jacob. It means heel catcher, but it also means deceiver, and he is going to act out on his name. And so Jacob plays the part of Esau. He wears a set of, of e, or Esau's best clothes. Um, evidently, the man's man had a certain odor that was distinguishable, or as one old commentary said, he was, quote, odiferous. I like these old words. He put goat skin over his hands so they would feel like Esau. And, uh, and he goes in and he tricks Isaac. And it feels tenuous for a few moments. Are you really, Isaac? I mean, are you really Esau, Isaac says? It sounds like you're Jacob. But are you really? Oh, yes, I'm Esau. He lies three times to trick his father. The one I love is how he blames or kind of brings God into one of his life. How in the world? I, if it, how did you bring this game so fast? God. God was with me, Daddy. I stepped out. It's like stepping in my backyard, and there was an eight point right there. Boom! Dropped him, and it was it was time for stew. He lied, and he gets the blessing, the blessing, which really belongs to him. Not willing to trust God for it. We'll get, we'll get there in a minute. Esau is so grief-stricken. You can't help but feel sorry for Esau in this moment. And the, how tenderly, is there anything left over for me, oh, my father? You know, oh, you, your heart just kind of hurts. And, uh, and finally he realizes because Jacob says, I have blessed him and he shall remain blessed. And click, God's will is right there where it's supposed to be. But he says, don't you have a, maybe we could put it this way, a secondary blessing for me, daddy? And he, and he does. And, um, and he gives him this blessing that says it's just the opposite of Jacob's. You know, you're going to live off the fat of the land. That's good, by the way. The dew of heaven, that's good, by the way. You will live, Esau, away from the fat, away from the dew. You're going to survive only by the sword. You're going to be under your brother, and one day you're going to have enough, and you're going to break the yoke, and you're going to break away from everybody and have your own life. Be blessed, my son. So there's the Isaac family, just another really sweet little believing family in the Old Testament. They did it their way. 
rather than God's way. Knowing what God had already said would happen. They did it their way. Just like you and I are tempted to do in our life in many things. We're more Esau-ish than we would want to admit. And sometimes we're more Rebecca and Jacobish and and cunning and coldly calculating than we would want to admit. And they did it their way. And everyone lost. Everyone lost. Quote, Rebecca was forced to send her pet son to far-off Mesopotamia, away from his father's house, in a destitute condition. Jacob wasn't gone for a week until Esau got over it, like Rebecca thought was going to happen. Jacob didn't return, you ready for this, for 20 years. And there is no suggestion in the Bible whatsoever that he ever saw his mother again. So she's grief-stricken. Isaac's grief-stricken. I mean, Isaac, I'm reading now from this, this commentator, this scholar. Isaac, blind old Isaac, tossed a torch into his family's tents by fighting against God's word. And Esau, who despised his birthright, also lost everything. Everybody's just lost everything. But God's will's being done. In spite of not trusting him. But above all, God kept his word. God kept his word. And God continued the promise that he had made to Abraham in Genesis 12, 15, and 17. And it would be through Jacob. And you know what? We're going to... You'll have to come back next week and see how God begins to, to shape this man. How God begins to make this man, Jacob, as he is turns from the deceiver. And one day, when we'll get there, will be renamed Israel. God prevails. God prevails in his life. And he's going to shape this man. And one day, God himself will be called by this name, believe it or not. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. God himself will be called the God of Jacob. That's how much God will overcome as he is ruling and overruling in all these choices being made. God even works through Jacob's. And the Messiah family line... Is through heel catcher, deceiver. That, on the one hand, sounds strange. That, on the other hand, is the most wonderful thing. That the, the God who comes to save sinners is wide open about really who we are. And it is that line of people that he comes from and that line of people that he will save and then to the ends of the earth. He loves Jacobs like you and like me and even those that have like soap opera level drama in their families. And Jacobs like us can have salvation through the Messiah because he has come. If you look at this table in front of me. He has, he has made Jesus Christ 
the son of Jacob, the son, excuse me, the son of David, the son of Judah, who is the son of Jacob, who is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. He has died in, with a once and for all sacrifice. And that's what we're celebrating today, that the God of Jacob saves Jacobs like us. But let's celebrate one more thing around the table as we go to the table now. It's his, it's his trustworthiness to people like us. It's his keeping of his word and not casting off people like us. Paul put it so well in 2 Timothy 2, 11. Paul said, and it was kind of a hymn that was sung in the early church. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Listen to this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. We're his. Jacob's like us. We're his. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. The God of Jacob saves us and the God of Jacob stays with us. See yourself as a Jacob in need of that cross that is symbolized by that table. See yourself as a Jacob in need of God's long-suffering patience and overcoming love that always overcomes because we're His. As we take communion, thank Him both for that salvation of Jacob through the son of Jacob, but also thank Him for the way He stays with you and continues to love you and pour out His grace And ask him to pour out fresh grace on your life as we dine with the son of Jacob. Let's pray. Lord, this is just an incredible two narratives, two accounts of things that speak very deeply to who we are. God, thank you that we don't have to clean it up to to come to you. The, The whole reason you came to us is because we can't clean it up enough. We cannot change the fact that we are sinners. We can't change the fact that we're bent toward ourselves. And you loved, so loved this world that you sent your only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, thank you that you stay with us. There's probably not a person here who has not thought at some point, Lord, why do you stay with me? Because through Jesus Christ and faith in Him and Your work in our lives, Your free grace, we are Yours. Would you double underline, italicize, and all bold that idea? We are Yours through Jesus as we eat of the supper. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.